mixer than usual as we are in our mobile studio. And by mobile studio, I mean that we brought a mixer and a couple of mics to a hotel room. Yes. Um, I was trying to think of a way I could rope in the uh, the school bus from the Moonshiners of <laughs> yesterday, but I, I wasn't clever enough. <laughs> the immensely popular program Moonshiners. Did we... Is this the... Is this the TJ Oshie episode? This is the TJ Oshie episode. Perfect. Episode 74. 74. 74 kilos. Uh, greatest American wrestler of all time, Jordan Burroughs episode. How about that? Oh, look at that. And he's at 79. <laughs> getting, uh, getting from one fairly obscure sport to an even more obscure sport. Yes. Um, that's all I got. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so we are going to talk this week about some live music that you have seen recently, and also uh, talk about the new Avatar release. We have a new Avatar. We have a bunch of stuff, actually. Yeah. Uh, We've been to a couple shows. We, we uh, Godsmack has a new album out. They do. We're going to postpone talking about that till next time, because I haven't given it a solid listen. I've given it a couple listens. Yeah, I, 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 really, I really haven't, so we'll do that one next time. Okay. But, uh, this episode, we've got some new releases to talk about, and or some new uh, some live music to talk about, and also some the new Avatar show, uh, the new Avatar album. You're getting there. I'm getting there. It's it's my first day. But first, I want to send everybody over to our website because I don't fumble over my words over there. And you can listen to this podcast or click through to the store, buy yourself a T-shirt or a hoodie. Use the promo code Rock One or O C K One, all caps. And save yourself 15% on that. You can also read Jack's eloquent album reviews and show reviews and whatnot. That all happens over at itsthewayofrock.com. So, you got to see, just the other night, Bad Flower. Bad Flower. And before that, you got to see, what, Highly Suspect. Highly Suspect. It was the, uh, what do I call this genre? Alternative punk, I think, is what I came up with uh, in the fall. Because there's a few bands that all remind me of each other. And I, is Bad Flower kind of in that? Uh, Bad Flower's in that. Yeah, I admit, I don't know a lot about them. Uh, just for context, Dead Poet Society opened for Highly Suspect. When I saw Bad Flower in Kansas last year, Dead Poet Society opened for them. Okay. So, so Bad Flower, in my mind, just hearing their name, not knowing anything about them, I kept thinking they were more in the genre of... Uh, What's that band that you have seen a few times and I keep missing out on? Kind of Southern Rock, long blonde hair, lead singer. You saw him at Rockfest a couple of years ago. Oh, no, Rockfest. Blacktop Mojo. Blacktop Mojo. He's not blonde. He's a redhead. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> um, I, if you would have said the guy that looks like uh, Justin Turner or maybe uh, <laughs> what's the Flyers mascot, Gritty, you would have said the, the singer that looks like Gritty, I would have. Okay. So they're not in that genre. No. For some reason, I had, I had thought that they were along. No, they're not along. Uh, uh, no, they're 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 more of a highly suspects kind of gotten away from the so-called uh, group that I'm talking about. But these uh, these the Dead Poets Society, the Bad Flowers, uh, the Cleopatrics, the Tiger Cubs—they all remind me of like early highly suspect whenever they were. Uh, a young angsty bunch. Gotcha. So, and you have been seeing Highly Suspect for a few years. I've been seeing Highly Suspect. Yes, Highly Suspect kind of spawned 
uh, I want to say that first initial time that they came onto my radar was all the way back at Point Fest that Brayton Benjamin made their grand return. I might be misremembering, but that's what I feel happened. Okay. Um, so they, I mean, they didn't, they played the, the Point Fest side stage a couple times, so I, I was trying to add up all the times I've seen Highly Suspect, and I don't know. But I do know that as of Friday night of Rockfest, it's going to be, if you go back in the calendar year of July to July, we'll have seen Highly Suspect four times. Yeah, it seems like you see them all the time. I do. I don't miss, I don't miss. I feel, like you, even, I feel like you've missed a couple of shows and you still see them all the time. Um, the only one that I would have missed what would have been whenever they came to St. Louis last time, or, or St. Louis in uh, September of 21, I guess. But I saw them the night before in Columbia. Yes. So that also, that barely comes. No, I've, I've, uh, I try to see them all. They're a great show. I mean, they, they're really a great show. Um, especially now, they kind of, with, uh, they had the MCID album in, would, would that have been 2019? Okay. 2018? 2019, I think, and that was a kind of an experiment. Like they, they, they strayed away from the the sound that they normally can put out in a kind of genre hop to almost. Um, and the shows kind of in that era reflected that, where you miss some of the more rock songs so they could fit in the the other stuff. But they've kind of gone back. They play a lot of stuff off the, those first two albums, which are kind of uh, that mix of that alternative punk, but also a little bit of blues and a little, a little like a garage rock band, kind of a combination of all those. So, it, yeah, it was a really good show. They opened with uh, with Bath Salts, which is one of my favorite uh, favorite of them. And they, they had a good support. Like I said, Dead Poets Society was there. They're always fun. Uh, they had this band that I've never heard of in my life called Silly Goose out of Atlanta, and they were reminiscent. It's probably, I, speaking as from someone that wasn't around when it happened, it kind of feels like what a very early Raging with the Machine was kind of like. It was just this very, like just four really young dudes, and it was just a very chaotic kind of rap metal kind of, uh, that was interesting thing, and from the sounds of it, I, I don't quote me on this, I, I don't, I can't confirm that it's true, but from the way that they spoke about it, uh, this wasn't, they weren't initially supposed to be on the, uh, the tour, but it sounded like, I'm going off of Johnny's words from my memory, it sounded like they were following the tour and playing outside, and they were busking, and then, uh, they struck the Johnny's fancy, so he, he just brought him on stage, and that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, 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 it was a cool, uh, and they, they were a fun, fun band, uh, for sure. And they, again, I can sit here and I can talk about Dead Poets Society all day. I really like what, what those guys do, and I was really excited to. Where are those guys from? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I probably asked you this before, but where's Highly Suspect from? Uh, they're from Cape Cod but they relocated to Brooklyn. So I don't know if all three of them are from Interesting. Cape Cod. So from the Northeast. Yes. I don't know if all three of them come from Cape Cod, but that's what the uh, 
that's all what I've seen from the last couple of years. Oh, I can't just Google Dead Poet Society because it's a it'll bring up a Robin Williams movie from yes, uh, and it's also a book apparently. I would like the band. <laughs> They're out of doesn't tell me. So I don't know where uh, where they're from. Oh, but they they, they formed while they uh, were at Berkeley. Oh, okay. So, so they're a bunch of nerds. Bay Area. Sure. Um, but yeah, Deadpool Society was great. Deadpool Society. We talked about them whenever I saw Batflyer a year and a half ago. Yes. But they do. They kind of do this thing where they take the sound that like a, an early Highly Suspect did and they combine it with like a, with seven string guitars and then they do like one they do a lot of kind of almost Tom Morello techniques where they're not playing the guitar they're using the guitar as a to tool make to make noise yeah. um, there's a, a video that I not that I don't record many videos anymore but the, the long video I recorded from that show uh, they were playing the intro of the song with the drumstick on the guitar like as a as a as a slide type uh, tool, so yeah, they're a, they're a singer whose also name is Jack, has a, has a great voice and they have, they have a really interesting sound. And again, Highly Suspect is pretty. They're they're one of the the best shows you can. So they uh, going back to all the, the years that you've been seeing them, you know they're they're headlining a, a three thousand seater theater now. Um, what kind of crowd they, they bring in? They packed that place? They packed it. It was sold out. Oh, good. Yeah. They, I mean, they played the pageant. I've seen them at the pageant three, four times now. Um, they played the Midland when I drove to Kansas City in October. Uh, they played the Blue Note in Columbia, which I thought was strange because that seemed a bit small for them, but there's nothing in Columbia. So yeah, I was going to say that that seems to be the equivalent in Columbia of, of those venues, even though it is smaller. Yeah, because it's much smaller than the Midland. Or at least it looks much, so it feels much smaller. It does. I mean, I haven't been huge. there in, in many, many years, but I, I feel like that, although that place is probably comparable to the Castle Theater in Bloomington, and I think that's kind of also the, the comparable venue in Bloomington for, for shows that go through the pageant. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they probably can't, when you're putting a tour together, you probably can't say, okay, we're we're just hitting these size. I mean, you probably yeah, have to, no, I'm, I'm sure you probably have to fluctuate a little. Some bit. logistics that go into it. I know the. You know, we just got tickets to see Corey Taylor up in East Moline, Illinois, a place I've never been, and, and the venue there that Corey Taylor is playing is kind of their their pageant from some of the other bands I, I see on their roster. Yes, and the last time we saw Corey Taylor, last, yeah, and you were with us. That was. Uh, Yes, place. I say seat. There were no seats. There's, no seats. But there's also no openers. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and there will not be at this show either. There won't be at this show either. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, was, it was another great time of seeing Highly Suspect. I don't know really. If we, like you said, I see Highly Suspect every three weeks, so I don't necessarily need to do a in-depth concert review because you can go listen to the other nine of them. <laughs> Uh, and I'm saying how they think new this time? I don't think so. Um, it's I mean, it's the same album cycle that I saw them twice last time, uh, or in the, in the fall. So nothing, no, 
they, they are the definition of a working band then. They, they, yeah, no. How many times do they come through our area? They must tour just nonstop. They tour nonstop. Um, in between this, Johnny had a, played a few solo shows um, throughout, like, the, uh, um, I know, throughout the East, I know he was in Atlanta, but it was kind of the New York through Florida region, I think. But yeah, they, I mean, they, they're one of those bands, I think, that it's a mix of you don't make any money in modern day music, so you kind of have to, you know, well, you have to hustle like that. To but I think they're kind of in the same realm of Breaking Benjamin, where what else, you know, what else is, are they going to do? So they just stay out on the, the road all the time. But and Breaking Benjamin's got a good gig going, because not that they don't put out new music, but they don't put out new music, you know, every year, even every other year. But they still pack the amphitheaters. Yeah. So they're uh, making a, a nice piece of, of cash on the road. And, you know, when they put new music out, great. It's, it's kind of the model that it looks like Godsmack is going into. Because they, they say that this new release is going to be their last one. Breaking Benjamin has not made such a proclamation. But, again, they, they probably, it's probably been four or five years at least since their last album. Yeah, I mean, they had that... Uh Amber came out 2018, I want to say. And then they also had that Aurora album right. come out, but that barely counts. Yeah, God's Great album, but it barely counts. Godsmack put out that album in 2019, and now I have the new one out. So like I said, this, this is it. They're just going to go out and do the tours and play the hits. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, that, I mean, that's probably fine. It's, uh, it's, if a band's still out on the road, I think all is well. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it depends how they do it. If they go out and they, they go out on the road and they're able to keep it fresh, even if they don't have new music, you don't want to turn into, like, a, a cheesy thing where, and, you know, we, we have seen some of these bands before and where it's just kind of, you're almost, like, it's inevitable, especially a band like Godsmack or even Breaking Benjamin that's been around 20 years now. Your fan base is going to age. Yes. But there's a way to there's a way to play to those fans and even to younger fans without seeming like an old exact. Yes. Like, I'll throw out the example of, uh, say, a kiss. Who I know you love. Yes. But their kiss on stage now is kind of a joke. Probably the last 15 years at least. I know you're, you've got a different opinion on they, that. But 15 years ago, they were on their ninth reunion. I, I understand. Gonna have to go a bit further back than that. <laughs> but, but even now, and, and, and maybe that's not a great example because their stage presence. Maybe I, I didn't. I didn't see Kiss in the 70s. The first time I saw them was like 1988. And I guess they were kind of reunion tour number one. Kind of an oldies band then. But they, they just kind of have that that cheesy, like they're playing to 65-year-old people when they, when they perform now. And it's, it's like, it's a little cringy. You don't want, you don't want to do that. No. I will say it's probably, I, I get the, there might not be any albums, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if you see, Singles here and there from from Godsmack, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see another album, but I, I get what you're saying. They're, they're they're not hanging it up necessarily. They're just, you know, they're guys in their fifties now, and they've 
got kids and possibly even grandkids, and they probably just want to, you know, go out for a stretch in the summertime, make a pile of cash, and then enjoy their their time off. Yes. That'd be my guess. Yeah, and uh, I guess you don't get to, but I get to see both Godsmack and Highly Suspect. Yeah, you did. I don't. We're, as much new music as we're, or as much live music as we're seeing in the next few months, I'm missing out on both of those. But, um, what about this? Have yeah. you seen uh, Highly Suspect? I never have. Um, I've never even had the opportunity. They've been, yeah. I, I say that. I could have gone with you guys the other night. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't been uh, without opportunity. It's just, it's, it's, it's just never really happened, I guess. Yeah. Way put that. One thing about, I'm not quite as into them as you are. Though. Well, I figured, I will add the one aspect that I, I will mention. Uh, Johnny Stevens is a really good guitar player. I think that gets lost because between, you, you know, they, they, they released the rap songs and he has the face tattoos and all this stuff. They, they kind of do a thing, if you've ever, if you, off the dome, know the, uh, their song, Wolf, off their 2016 album, the ending of that, uh, it's about a seven-minute song, and the last three or so minutes is just a, a pretty simple, like, re- repeating, descending riff, and then it's just like a very, like, Frusciante-esque just solo, and, and they don't play that song live anymore. Back in that album cycle, they, they would close with that, so I got to see them where that three-minute solo got extended even longer, but they kind of ran that gimmick a couple songs the other night where they would just kind of go into a bridge, and, and their songs don't have a lot of guitar solos in it, but then they would, he, would, he just did one on the scene. He's really good. Just kind of that slow-picking, bluesy style of uh, so it, it's real fun to, to watch him play. Nice. Yeah, I don't, uh, what, somebody who's, who's tangentially aware of them doesn't think of them as, as, you know, having a lot of guitar flash. So. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's more, like, there, there's more guitar in the, the, the early stuff, for sure. Uh, but I, he did say something on the Twitter sphere, the Instagrams or whatever, that he, he's kind of, listened as people have uh, complained about the, the lack thereof in the recent albums, and he said that the the next album, he, this is the most fun he's ever had playing guitar, and he's, he's, he's excited to release a, a, a guitar-heavy album, so that's okay. something exciting yeah. that I'm looking forward to. I will say, as we, as we transition into the Bad Bottom Show, I don't mind the mobile setup. We're, we're in a hotel room, just kind of lounging and chilling, whereas usually we're sitting at a table with the, the whole mixer and everything, and we have a little, a little bit more of an informal, comfortable thing going on. Yes. We're on a comfortable bed. I listen to so many comedians' podcasts, and a lot of them will record when they're on the road. And and I would always, and one in, one in particular, Greg Fitzsimmons, he'll do like a solo podcast on the road. So he's in his hotel room, and you know, whatever town he's in, doing a solo podcast. And, and I always thought to myself, well, that that would just be weird to do, just sitting in a hotel room talking into a microphone by yourself. Especially if it's a, a hotel where the people next door can hear you, and they're like, what, what the hell is going on in that room? 
it's, it's less weird when there's another person involved. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yes. So, then, uh, Bad Flyer came through the, the other night who, um, I don't know about you, I will be seeing them again at Point Fest. Yes. Because they, they, they got the, the Point Fest call. Um, and you've seen them once before, a couple times? Or? A couple times. I saw them at Point Fest uh, a couple years ago. Saw them at Rock Fest the first year that I saw them in Kansas in a headline show. So I've seen them um, a, a few times. Uh, so, so, yeah. And, and they're another one. Uh, their lead singer, Josh, you wouldn't guess by looking at him. He can also play the uh, the six string fairly well, and he he, he has a couple of guitars, but he mostly sticks with the uh, the telly. Uh, has a couple tellies, uh, but yeah, that was another good show. Um, Bad Flower, pro- I, I, I'm probably not your cup of tea if I just had to go off history and what I what I know. Uh, they kind of sprouted. A, a lot of the lyrics are kind of that uh, that blue October esque depress depressies esque uh, stuff and whatever. But the uh, well, I went through a blue October show last summer, and that was not enjoyable at all. Lost my train of thought. No, it was, it was another real well, show. Give me a chance to get a dig in a blue October because oh that, my god, they're all happy now. That's yeah, and I, that's the version I saw. And I never saw the sad version, but the happy version is, I'll, I'll use the word grating. I great, but grating. I know two Blue October songs. One's one more than I know. A newer one that I couldn't tell you what it's called, but it's I hear it on the radio and it's not good. I will say I do like that really sad one from 2008 or whatever it is. Uh, their hit. Their hit, yes. Yeah, so that's a fine song, I guess. But, yeah, live, they're, they're super boring. Yeah, I, there was nothing enjoyable about that show. Sorry, Blue October. Uh, the openers on this night we had a Blood Red Shoes, who I'm who I never heard of. Good name. Apparently, they were featured in the 2007 film uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. No one's ever heard of that. That's for sure. <laughs> I've no, now I will preface: I've never seen it because I don't watch movies. But I can tell you that there's a lot of people that would be very upset if they heard you say that. Okay. Admittedly, it, it's a thing that dorks like. But as you know, the world has a lot of dorks. Uh, so they, they, it was a two-piece out of uh, the UK. They had a, a drummer who sang, and then a girl guitar player who sang, and they, they traded off vocals. Answer me this. In the, in the last year or so, we have seen a lot of openers that have a, 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 a non-traditional makeup, I guess, is the, the yes. way to put that. I, I don't want to use the word gimmicky, because for some of them it might be even necessity why they're formed like that. But think of you know that band that you just described to me, the band that opened for The Who in Kansas City last year. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about them. Yeah, they were like a Brother and sister, brother and sister yeah. Um, the, the band that opened for Ghost last year. That I didn't get to catch that, but I Twin Temple was here. Yeah, yeah, you didn't miss much. Um, anyway, 
it just seems to be a lot more of these non-traditional types of, of bands that we're seeing come out there, which is kind of cool. And another band that I'm thinking of is uh, they opened for Lacuna Coil, the the two... Your, uh, no, no, uh, no uh, Uncured. Uncured, yeah. I was close. I forgot about them. Uh, yeah, no, there, there's, there's a couple of them. Uh, I think probably the majority of them are out of necessity. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's hard to find, you know, band members. And, and, and I, I was making this joke um, to those who I went to see, because uh, both Dead Poets Society and Bad Flowers bassists like to... Uh, jump around the stage and have a good time. And the joke that I kept running with was that bass players can do that because they have nothing to do. Nobody plugs their bass in anyway. Um, so, and I think there is uh, an element of, well, we don't need a bass player yet. Meanwhile, Justin Chancellor sitting home practicing weird timings and scales. Scales, yeah. Because uh, another band, uh, I've never seen them, but, uh, but uh, Cleopatric is just Two, two friends from high school, guitar player and a drummer. Um, I, I think it's just there's less bass players in the world than there are uh, guitar players and drummers, and it just happens that way. Which is kind of weird, because all you have to do to get a bass player is just find somebody who's a guitar player and say, you're playing bass. Yeah, but then you have to talk them into being a bass player. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was a good show. The other opener, Jess Rocks, I'm going to go with. Uh, solo artist out of uh, New York, had a, had a thick New Yorkian accent. Uh, I was a little, I was a little worried at first. I will say that the the first song was all right, but it was a it, it was a mix of he kind of came out in like a speed racer jumpsuit, <laughs> uh, except it was sleeveless and. The, the first song, it was very Freddie Mercury-esque. Uh, the flip side being that he was playing guitar. Something that only Freddie Mercury could do. Sorry, Fred. Uh, well, I stand next to Brian May. What was I, it I know. I'm just taking digs at Queen. I mean, David Lee Roth is reportedly a pretty good guitar player. I don't know. I don't but, know but, here. but what's the point? Any home, uh, and uh, but they, he ended up turning it around, and, and they as worried as I was in the first half of the show. That's how uh, content I was. I guess I, I wasn't overly excited, but it was fine. They did. They brought out uh, Joey from Bad Flower. He's the, the the guitar player, and they did um, a Bruce song, "Born on the Run." Born to Run. Born to Run. Born on the Run. I'm I'm not a not the biggest Bruce guy. It was it was a it was a fine fine arrangement. Uh, and then Badfire came out and did their thing. They uh, the whole thing about bringing out one of the other bands on the bill to do a song with your band is is that getting a little bit played out, or do we still like that? Um, I think it depends on the situation. Like go. Uh, Take a show that I, I can't think of off the top of my head. Say, uh, well, we, oh, I guess we, I don't know if we saw this happen or not. Uh, no, we did see it happen. When back in the summer, we saw that Bush 
Alice in Chains break my yes. ass. They brought out Jerry they for Jerry. Uh, sh- one of their songs. It seemed a little, I mean, it was fine. I always like to see Jerry come out on stage. Seemed a little unnecessary. I think, I, I don't know, I, I, I can see your side of it. I think in a smaller show, like, if the, because, like, no one's ever heard of sorry, uh, Des Rocks, but no one's ever heard of a Des Rocks before. And I, so I don't think it's harmful whenever it's like a, when you're playing a show at the Red Flag to bring out the guitar player that no one knows the name of. I just think it, I almost think it's like, okay, if you're, if you're the guitar player for the headliner, you've got X amount of time before your show. You're, you, you know, that's all kind of pretty regimented. You have sound check, you've got dinner, you've got chill time, you, whatever. And everybody's doing their thing. And then one of the members of the band is like, okay, now I got to go out and do a song with the opener. Hang on. I, I always feel bad for them. I can maybe see that that side of it. On the flip side, I, I uh, whenever it's the opposite, where the headliner brings out the previous yeah, that's that's nice. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I I don't think it's that big of a deal. Then they're then they're like, okay, yeah, but all the, you know you gotta look at it from their point of view too. You just got done with your show. You go back, you towel off, maybe take a shower, change clothes, and then you're like, I'd really like to go get a beer and play some video games. I gotta go out and do that. Well, that was what was funny whenever uh, that show at the Lake of the Ozarks in May. Um, Seether and Breaking Benjamin. I mean, Breaking Benjamin brought out everybody. They brought out Sean. They brought out Dustin from Starson. They brought out Lacey. Uh, Seether also brought out Lacey. It was funny because um, I, I didn't see it live, but I saw the pics of when Lacey played and she was wearing stage clothes. And then when she came out the other two times, she was wearing like an oversized black hoodie and. <laughs> Uh, her lounging bands. clothes. Yeah. Yeah, because she was lounging. And then they were like, Lacey, come out and do a show. Do a song. Lacey can come off the bench and uh, do I'm So Sick uh, and not miss a beat. So. That's true. And, and and sometimes those little pairings are very inspired. Like, you know, there's been times when, uh, when you get a, a juxtaposition of, you know, maybe a male and a female or, you know, a two band, two singers that aren't really close to, that close in genre, maybe they're on a festival or something like that, and and you're like, oh, okay, cool, that, that's kind of a cool surprise. But I don't know, it, it just seems like it happens every show now. Maybe it does, and uh, I don't know. I've never thought of it as uh, something that bothers me. But it doesn't bother me. I just find it interesting, and I always, I always think of the point of view of the person that has to come out and be like, yeah, no, I'm sure. Oh, now you're getting into my personal time. I'm sure, there's an element to that. And it's not like, you know, they're not putting in a 10-hour day and they've got to put in 12 hours now. You know, it's they're playing a 90-minute show and they're coming out for one more song. But I don't know. It's just something that has struck me in the last year as I see it more and more and more. That's fair. Also, since some of these nights are just, like, really long now because there's nice. bands playing. They open the doors at 2 in the afternoon. That was one thing they did. Uh, I just for, I forgot about that until you said this. Uh, you'll find this amusing. They changed the uh, door times. Yes, I did hear this story. Okay, so you heard the story. Well, I'll retell it for uh, those who didn't. Uh, originally, when we looked at the tickets, doors were supposed to be at 6, show at 7. And they changed it to doors at 7, show starts at 7.30. Now, uh, 
Uh, what would you say? How, how many people can fit in the red flag? I think that's um, relative to like pops, so probably a thousand, we'll say. Okay. So when we got there, the line, because they hadn't opened doors yet, the line went all the way down the block. And um, the line took forever because the red flag, God bless their soul, had one poor lady doing uh, the, uh, the, 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 metal the metal detecting. And one, one girl doing the metal, metal detecting. And uh, when there probably should have been four people doing the metal detecting. Yeah, it's, that's a weird, you know, that venue's been there for a good year now. And it was, it's run by the people who used to run FUBAR. And if you remember going to see a show at FUBAR, that was just an old bar. But they also didn't seem to know what they were doing then. And it seems like they still don't know what they're doing. The Whoever built Red Flag, they designed it really well. They did. I think it's a, a very well-designed venue. It looks cool. It, it's got the shipping containers in there. Um, kind of a, a two-story effect going on with the I'll, shipping containers. I will say, one complaint that I have about Red Flag, um, and the, the Firebird struggled from this, too. And this was the juxtaposition between the Firebird and the Fubar where the Firebird is long ways wet rather than when the FUBAR is, is you know, I can't, I don't know how to formulate how, how should, I don't like when you walk in and then the stage is on the long side of a rectangle rather than the right. short end of a rectangle. Right, right, right. Because then instead you get a very wide, thin audience rather than a, yeah. and, and so that, I don't like that element of the red flag, but I can get over it because I'm six foot tall so I can see. Um, but not everyone is like me. Yeah, and, and stuff like that is even, I, I can forgive that. you you got to have a staff that knows how to move people through the door, serve their drinks, you know, do, do all the things that you have to do as an, establish, an entertainment establishment. And it seems like there's quite a few of them that don't know how to do some of that stuff. It, it's, it's, as we like to joke, it's always their first day. Yeah, and... and uh, have you been seeing these uh, these modern pops ads on the internet? I have. The, okay. There's going to be nothing to the audience. There's going to be nothing to the audience, but it's something that... A little background. Pops is a 24-hour bar in Illinois, just, just on the outskirts of East St. Louis. So if you know anything about our region and you've heard the name East St. Louis, you probably know there's a little bit of a rep. Pops has been around for like 30 some odd years. It's a 24-hour bar that has live touring music acts. Lots of pool tables, like little casino games. It's it's 99.9% of the time a really trashy place. And I, I think one element, maybe this happens in every city, but you, you don't notice it. Pops is the only venue that we've that, I, that we regularly see bands come back and they remember Pops yes. and they make a joke about how awful Pops is yes. and the crowd laughs because everyone knows everyone knows. Pops is. The joke during COVID was that's not the worst thing that you can to catch at yeah. Pops. So, with that being said, Pops have been posting the, uh, <laughs> their, their, run of their ads to get you to come in and it's just like these young, beautiful people that would never be at Pops. You would never ever. see them at Pops. I don't even know if the pictures are taken at Pops. No, no, they're clip art pictures. And for it, sure. It's like groups of like seven to eight young, attractive people having a grand old time. Well, they, they look like they, they shipped them in from the, the sorority. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, you're never, 
going to see somebody no, like that at a pop show. You're not going to see someone under 40 on a pops off night. And if you do, they don't have all their teeth. <laughs> and so it, it did make me laugh whenever I keep seeing these. Yeah, like, I, I, I keep seeing them too because I'm like, I have never seen anyone that looks like that at Pops. For just a, qu- just a quick story, um, one of my favorite Pop stories was whenever uh, it was after Trivium Blade. And while Matthew Kichihifi was uh, doing his post-show shower cleanup, whatever, the uh, overnight band showed up and interrupted his shower. Um, yes, Pops is the kind of place that after they have a touring headliner, an hour later you get to see the overnight band. For context, the show that night, like the torch of famed Howard Jones, Avatar, and Trivium, three real bands that have real members, and yeah, so that's Pops. And then the local cover band starts <laughs> at like 12.30. The local cover band. Yeah, so that's Pops. That was a, a tangent. Uh, I think that wraps up the live music segment of the show. Uh, hey, speaking of Matt Heafy, let's congratulate him for making uh, oh, yeah, a black belt. He's a black belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And also, apparently, because uh, I'll tell you this story. Uh, the person in front of us in line the other night was a, was a Beartooth fan. And so she was telling her friend about how she wanted to drive up to Kansas City to see Beartooth. And they were opening for, quote-unquote, a band called Trivium. <laughs> and she's like, I've never heard of Trivium before, but I'd be, uh, but I want to go see Beartooth. And I heard that, and I was like, and that sounded vaguely familiar, but I didn't have service in the, uh, the line. That's why I texted you to do my research. Of course, the text didn't send until I had service. Uh, I have a false hope that iMessage overrules uh, no. Internet. No. But uh, apparently Trivium is going to be at Kansas City in June. Yeah, so we'll that, go to that show. That needs to be on the radar. We will. Um, we have, last year we had the Summer of Live Music. This year we are starting out early. It's the March of Live Music. We have so many shows lined up in March. Yes. You've already seen a couple of them. Already seen a couple. You're going to see a show Friday night. Yes. Theory of a Dead Man. Skillet. And Santa Sonia. Yes. Monday night, I'm going to see Buddy Guy. Yes. It really fit with our... Uh, our, our genre here in the show. It fits but with the show opening. It's Buddy Guy. With a bit of distortion, it does. Um, Tuesday night is Alter Bridge. Alter Bridge. Unfortunately, I don't get to see Periphery, which makes Man. me real sad. And then I know we still have some stuff. Even before March. Jerry Cantrell. Jerry Cantrell in a couple weeks. Uh, that should be a great show. Yeah, so March is just chock full of music. Um, you know, we just learned about this Trivium show. We're going to do that. They just announced Guns and Roses to our, our fair town, which we have not gotten tickets for. And I don't know if I want to pay those prices, but yeah, you know, have you looked at them? Yeah. It's still exciting. No, I haven't. That's it. And that one's at the... That, that is uh, outdoors, Bush Stadium. Yeah, that changes things. It does. I'm not, I'm not big on stadium shows. Uh, I, I think it'd be a, a fun event. If if you went to it as in, this is good work, it's, we're going to hang out in a place where Guns N' Roses is playing, rather than we're going with the idea of watching it. Like, yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to and I'm, when I go to a show, I just want to watch the show, and I've never been able to take that that whole, oh, we're, we're here hanging out, and oh, look, Guns N' Roses is down there playing. Now, I will say, if Guns N' Roses brings the, the opening heat like they did last time, I, I reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> yeah, we may still do that. Um, you know, I know, I know your plus one is going to Metallica later this summer at that same venue. Actually, no, that's at the Dome, I think. Not, not real sure, but... Well, it's in November. Do they, I don't know. If they, they, yeah, that would track. 
just have so much live music that we're going to be seeing this year. So we're, we're going to have plenty to talk about. Yes. Uh, right now we've got the new Avatar album. We've got the new Avatar album, um, which upon further listens, I, I like it even more. Not that the last album, I mean, I, I wouldn't dare say that the last album, Hunter Gatherer, lacked heaviness by any means. No, not at all. But this album, at times, kind of took uh, the the level of the last album and turned it up to 11. And I, and I, I mean, there's moments like uh, The Dirt I'm Buried In, which kind of feels like it was made in the 80s. Yeah, that's a cool song. But, you know... And I don't know if you've seen the video for that. That's a cool video, too. No, I haven't. They, you know, videos aren't as much of a thing now. I mean, I know they're still a thing. People go on YouTube and watch videos, but the budgets aren't there that they used to have, and they're they're just different. And this, this I thought, was a very clever, cool video. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I will say, I mean, it's a, it's a really good album. Uh, I think, I mean, I know we, we I, I think... Clouds Dipped in Chrome might be my favorite non-single. I, I think Valley of Disease might be my favorite song overall, which I always hate when I like the single the most because uh, it feels like the poser answer. But I have listened to this song a lot. Hazmat Suit's really good. Violet, no matter what, really good. Uh, God, I mean, they're I kind of thought that would feature Lizzie a little bit more prominently. I did too. I didn't. Th- I mean, I didn't think it was going to be a heavy song. I thought it was going to be a Especially when it's the last track on the album. I, I thought it was going to be more of a... Along the lines of Gun off the last album. But it's... I will say, upon listening to it, I think Lizzie is featured more than uh, we initially thought. I mean, maybe that that's just me and you, you, you were aware. But I, I thought she was kind of in there in the chorus. But she does, she does have some verse work. I'd have to listen to it again to verify, but I'm, I'm confident. She does kind of seem to be a go-to feature, though. Yeah, uh, at least as far as uh, if you want a female voice on your your song, she she seems to be the the A choice for that. No, it's I mean, and rightfully so. Lizzie's great. Everyone loves Lizzie. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think. Trying to think of how uh, v- this middle section of on the beach through gotta want to riot goes because I, I remember uh, me liking them, uh, but I can't remember how those songs go. <laughs> but I, I do like the this latter half of the album. Man. I know you you've tried to multiple times publicly accusing me of not liking the dirt I'm buried in because it's not heavy enough. I think it's a great song. Uh, but I think that latter half of the album where it goes clouds dipped in chrome hazmat suit train. Ending with Violence No Matter What. I, I think it's a great end of the album. Yeah, Clouds Dipped in Chrome is a really good song. I'm excited to, and, and maybe this gets answered in, in the music videos. Uh, I'm curious if, I guess they, they're planning on doing a few shows this spring. I'm curious if they've changed up their, their look at all like they did um, before the last album, or maybe they're sticking with this look for a bit, or I don't know what their plans are. Uh, Well, yeah, Avatar is definitely a band that puts a lot into their visuals. Yes. And, and you know, the, in the years that I've been aware of them, which is a little bit less than you, you know, they, they, they keep the, the 
same basic theme, but you know they make some tweaks. And yes, I'm um, sure they'll still have their giant letters. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have the giant letters. No, this was a. It's it's weird whenever a, uh, an Avatar, a Trivium, a highly suspect, uh, one of those bands that they could put out a bicycle and I'd buy it. Uh, it's whenever they release one, because it's, it's hard for me to... They're not kids. <laughs> it's hard for me to, to find a, a weak spot. In Introducing it. the Kiss bicycle. The Kiss cycle. Maybe. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I don't see really any holes throughout the, the entire album. It's 11 tracks of Avatar, and I, I, I like when Avatar sounds like Avatar. Dance Devil Dance is the name of it. Good yes. Album. Look for them out on the road. I know they've got some dates already. I assume we're going to see some more. Um, yeah, this is this is a really good one. I like it. I like that they're they're still working. We can count on an Avatar album like every other year. Yes, they're they're good at that. I want to just throw out a couple names at you. Um, Hawken. Haken. That's what I think it is, but they're British, so you never know. They uh, released their new album, Fauna, the other day. Uh, And it's always fun whenever uh, prog bands release an album, going back to our oldest gimmick. Like, this Avatar album, 11 songs in 41 minutes, right? Yeah. You go to uh, Fauna over here, and it's nine songs an hour and two minutes. (laughs) And it's just funny how... uh, Actually, that, that, that leads me down uh, a point that I saw on Twitter the other day. I'm curious what your thoughts may be. It was about, it was a tweet about the Devil Wears Prada, which I'm not familiar with. I mean, I'm familiar, I know of them, but I've never listened to them. Uh, but th- it was basically saying, um, I, I don't know which EP it was, but it was saying that this EP that they released this year had five songs on it, and I think those five songs stand up against any full-length album uh, out there, and it's in the point of the tweet, the second half was, what if bands spent more, instead of releasing a 10, 11, 12 track album with like three or four filler songs, you you get five, six, seven songs that you spend a lot of time right. like, carefully sculpting together. I think, and I don't know, it is, uh, I don't know if that band is signed to a major label, I think bands that operate a little bit more independently do stuff like Yes, I mean... Uh, I think when you're signed to a record label, they kind of demand that you put out a full-length album. And, and that's probably why that happens right. to the but, extent that it does. But I, I almost think, and there's, you know, we, we, we know bands, and we talked about the possibility of Godsmack doing something like this, and it just, they they put together a single or two or three singles, and it just, you know, they'll, they'll just release those, and, you know, who cares if they put a full album on I think even, you know, getting away from heavy music, I think even Cheryl Crow has said that that's kind of her plan from now on. Just as she thinks up a good song and records it, she'll just put out a single rather than worry about an album. Well, I think that, I mean, especially when you're at the level of a Godsmack or Cheryl Crow where you don't have to put an album out right. to, because a, a lot of albums are just marketing to begin with. Right, right. Uh, I, I, but I, it, it was an interesting concept because you, you think of all those and this is something that I've, I've always been cognizant of, is a band releases an album, and I've always been curious of what their thought process is when they know 
these three songs are the ones that are going to be our radio singles throughout this cycle. These other nine songs, no one's ever really going to pay attention to. They're never, no one's ever going to actually play live. I think that varies too, because I know there's some artists that put a lot of careful thought into which songs are going to be on the album, the sequence. They might have an idea for a single or two, then the record company steps in and says, no, we want this one to be the single, or, you know, we, we don't like any of them as singles. There, there's stories of abound about stuff like that, you know, over the years. And, you know, it's when a band finally gets to be in full control and just do what they want, that's when you, you, you might get to what you're talking about, where you're just like, okay, I've got three good songs here that I feel good about. I'm Screw the other ones. We're not even going to fool with them. That's why I think when somebody, you know, passes away and some people start going through their vault like a prince and you've got thousands of songs that he probably never wanted anybody to hear. Yeah. Um, that's actually, I'm curious. I, I don't know what the, uh, the pre- what went on with the, the prince saga, but I know that that's kind of been an issue in the, the hip-hop rap world. With the, these rappers that die young, it's either I, there's two drastically different examples, but they're very sim- similar. If you remember the name XXX, uh, I'm not going to finish because yeah. I can't remember how to pronounce it. Uh, I think whenever he passed, his family had the rights to all this stuff, and his mom just released it anyway. Yeah. Whereas um, I don't know if you remember hearing the name Lil Peep. Yeah. Uh, his family just won a legal battle to get the rights to all this stuff so it doesn't get released. Um, but I, I know that's a common occurrence in, uh, I can't remember the name that it because uh, every now and then you see uh, a, a song with the feature of someone that has not been alive for longer than right. well, like a band. You're like, well, what's going on, what's going on here? Uh, and, and it, so it is in I don't think we as fans realize how much time musicians spend in studios, especially now that you can have a home studio and you don't have to spend thousands just on, on studio time. How, how much time musicians and bands spend just kicking around ideas, but the record button is, is pushed. So they're catching stuff to take. And that may end up being a song, it may not. But, you know, musicians are, in a way, they're hoarders. They're not going to get rid of it. They're not going to finish the night and say, eh, that kind of sucked and hit delete. They're going to hold on to that, and they might revisit it down the road. Um, the last Van Halen album, um, Different Kind of Truth, a lot of that was created from old demos from the 70s that Eddie had just held on to, and they just kind of pieced together like a Frankenstein album. That's what a lot of that album was. That's what it... Because then uh, you also have, going back to 2015, 2016, uh, Mark Tremonti released that great album, Cauterize. Yes. In 2016, he released Dust, another great album, which was entirely B-sides that didn't make it into Cauterize. Right. And then I remember when that album came out, thinking, these are B-sides? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and that's the flip side of that is... Uh, Somebody might just put together 15, 20 songs and every one of them is a banger. And they're like, well, I can't release an album that's got 20 songs. So they put together their 10 or 11 or whatever, and the rest of them become, you know, B-sides or a 
part of a box set or an extended release or something like that down, down, down the road. So, yeah, it's, it, it isn't. I mean, the, the way music is put together now, there's almost nothing stopping an artist from just releasing whatever they want. You know, sitting home in, in their home studio and putting something together and putting the finishing touches on it and click upload and boom, you released it. I don't, I don't know the machinations of putting songs on Spotify, but I don't think it's much different than that. Um, especially considering some of the, you know, like local bands that I know of that put stuff on Spotify. Yeah. And it's, they're not the most sophisticated business entities, but they're getting music on Spotify. Um, so it's probably not that difficult. And I think some of the more legacy artists are still a little bit more protective of what actually gets released. And whereas some bands that are just starting out, they're just like, let's get it all out there. Yes. Um, then along the, the topic of things that are coming out, Periphery 5 um, is coming out in like three hours. Nice. So, yeah, I'll give this Hawken album a listen. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that next time. Hawken is who we were listening to a couple weeks ago, and you said that it, uh, it was dangerously close to Yes. Ah, yes. Maybe I won't listen now, to it. No, I will say um, that only exists on that one song. It, it's a, it, it goes back and forth, but there's a lot of heavy moments on this album. No, no, no Cookie Monster, but you you know they're using a seven-string uh, guitar. Gotcha. Um, and then other than that, I want to throw an album at you that I recently discovered um, because it reminds me of Early Ghost. And that is The Word of Sin by this new band. I mean, I say new band. Nope, they're new because they only have what's released this year. Um, it, it released back in February. It's called, uh, I already said, uh, By the Abbey. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm curious. I've been meaning to throw it to you for a bit because, like I said, it it's very, like, it, it's not necessarily like a ghost ripoff, but it, it's reminiscent of that, those those first two Ghost albums where it's kind of that spooky, but not too heavy, you know what I'm right, right. talking about. But oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll give that a listen to. Cool album. Um, other than that, I think we covered all of the uh, upcoming shows and upcoming music releases. Yeah, we'll talk next week and we'll, we'll talk about the Alter Bridge show that we're about to see and the Theory of a Dead Man and St. Asonia show that you're going to tomorrow. Is this a metal band again in that? Skillet. Skillet. Yes. So you're seeing all three of those bands tomorrow. We're seeing Ultra Bridge on Tuesday. Do we know who's opening for Ultra Bridge? Wolfie. Wolfie. We get to see Wolfie again. I totally forgot about that. Yes. I'm very excited we get to see Wolfie again. And it's at the factory, too, which is a good venue to see a band. Yes. All right. So we'll talk about that next time. And we won't be away as long. We'll have uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jump in and record as soon as we see those shows. So. I want to remind everybody to go to the website, itsthewayofrock.com. You can email us at itsthewayofrock at gmail.com. Go to our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at itsthewayofrock. So, for Jack, this is Jeff, and this has been The Way of Rock Rock.